Hello and welcome to The Debrief. And just so we could just get this clear, this guy for the last 60 seconds has been trying to educate me on how to say that word properly. That's because Angie has been pronouncing debrief with a TH instead of an F. Okay, grammar boy. Yeah, exactly. No. You've got to get this right, haven't we? No. Why? Yes, we have. But words are made anyway. up. Words are made up. Right. Would you like to explain what we are doing here? Okay, so it's been about six weeks since we've been podcasting individually as the Talking Tradesman and the Angie Monroe podcast. So what the debrief is, is about the two of us getting together, updating you on what we've been up to, but also talking about the types of podcasts that we've had. That's it. So this is going to be a collaboration between the two of us. So essentially what we're going to do... Are you paying do... me for this? Are you paying me for this? No. Who do you think you are? Well, you've got to bring pay into it. This is pa- a, 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 this guy, there, there. This, this this guy is think... a passion project. This guy thinks he's an influencer now, don't you, babe? Technically, I am officially an influencer because I signed a bit of paper that said it on it. Oh, what did you sign? A contract with oh. On The Tools. Oh? Yeah, so exclusive. You heard it here first. Um, but yeah, getting back to what we're doing here. So the, what's the word? Oh, now you've lost your words. I've lost my words. Oh, okay. The, Should we just make a word up to fit? The basis of what we're doing here is to discuss the guests that we've had individually because what I'm finding with my guests and with yours because I'm Mm. listening to your podcasts too is that we're giving people obviously a platform to discuss their stories but there are key things that are coming up in those conversations that sometimes we'd like to discuss a bit further and obviously we can do that between the two of us this is a little bit more light-hearted obviously than our standard guest episodes um so yeah the debrief is born and these episodes will be going out on both of our platforms so both the talking tradesman and the angie monroe podcast uh ad hoc really Mm, yeah as and when we want to kind of like put them out maybe once a month maybe once every six eight weeks just gonna depend isn't it yeah but i thought it was a good idea it kind of it reminds me a little bit of what i do at samaritans with the um so at the end of each shift we do a offloading so essentially, this is our offloading mm. of our guests. Because for you, it must be really dif- difficult because obviously you're you're taking on very different energy to me. Yeah, yeah, I have a, I have a bit to be fair. I mean, to be to be honest though, I am. But particularly the last few episodes I've done have been like intense, heavy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I guess jumping in on that, then, like, what has that been like? What the heavy episodes? Yeah. Um. I'm processing it to be honest it's mm-hmm. it's different like I'm using a lot of the skills that I do use at Samaritans mm-hmm. because it's that whole being able to take that on board and not take it home with you but I'm struggling a bit more with that I think because with Samaritans everything's anonymous and I don't see the person at the end of the phone and I know they don't know who I am I'm just a voice my identity is like Samaritan whereas sat face to face it's, it's a lot more personal what does samaritan actually mean your voice is samaritan, samaritan. I get it. the samaritans like the definition of samaritan is a person who does a good deed for others i believe yeah but why does your voice sound like a samaritan do they have like a particular voice hey, what do you mean my you voice you just said no i'm just saying my identity uh, so when somebody rings up they just know they're calling a samaritan uh, okay they don't know they're ringing ross or the talking tradesman do as you... one of identities <laughs> Do you ever give them fake names? Yep. What's your fake names? I am generally David. 
Well, well I'm, I'm going to have to get rid of that now, aren't I? So, yeah, I'm going to pick a new one. Oh, okay. I suppose you In fact, we'll put a poll on this because we can do that and we've not mm -hmm. utilised it. Mm -hmm. We'll put a poll on what should my new name be? <laughs> Zeus. Zeus. Well, yeah, where some might remember when I changed your name by Depol. You'll have to go all the way back to the very first published episode to find out the story behind that one. Absolutely. Listen to that one first. But yeah, so it's been, what, six weeks now for mm. both of us since mm. we've been in here anyway? Yeah, officially. Um, one thing that we did have to deal with, if you want to tell them about Bandcamp. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that was, uh, that was a curveball, to be honest, wasn't it? So. Mm. I was recording an episode with John, JG Decorator, um, over on my platform. And uh, halfway through, luckily our software is really good and the mics are really good, so we've managed to sort it out. But halfway through the episode, I actually thought a car had pulled up out the front and was just blaring music. I'm going to play it just for people to okay. listen to, to really you understand. Play this but... into the mic? Yeah, I'm going to. I don't know if this is going to work or not, because it well, might try and cancel it out again. No, it might think it's just talking, so... I'm okay. going to find it. Do you know which uh, platform you sent it to me on? WhatsApp. I know that, but which phone? No idea. No idea. Okay. So tell okay. them what while happened. You, while Angie searches for the footage. Well, so... I've got it. I've got it. Okay. You ready to go? Yeah. What? False. I mean, that's... Horrific, and it that... literally like death metal screaming <laughs> midway through the podcast. Um, <laughs> to which, because I was like over an hour in, I couldn't stop and I just had to plow on through it and think, Do you know what? I just hope that the software takes it all out, which it did, fortunately. But I was raging. I am so glad it was you, not me, because I would have lost my shit. I would have thrown all of their instruments outside and started bashing them until they broke into a million pieces. I'm so glad it wasn't me. I'm a lot. I'm, I'm the more reserved karma one of the two of us. <laughs> but yeah, that was, um, that was a, an obstacle, shall we say. Mm. And how's that one played out? Well, yeah, that's, an, that's, a, that's another story, another debrief. <laughs> well, isn't it? So we took the tenancy onto the place, told them exactly what we're using the space for, mm. and they apparently did not know that two times a week or more the whole building gets took over for band practice mm, but no one knows when that will be uh, no one knows so russ tried to um call the guy in question i did didn't get anywhere i did not and then i then i lost my shit is it fortunately for him i got no voice on that day whatsoever so i wasn't able to call him i'd had like this cold bug thing that's going around yeah but you are the calmer one. Your oh, yeah. your your weight to you, you rage. It takes you longer, whereas I'm reactive immediately. I'm like activation, where I just like now, man. This guy needs to know he's taking the biscuit. Piss. I've got a much longer fuse, mm -hmm. but it's like God help anybody if I actually get to the end of it. <laughs> so, whereas you're uh, you're more like a little firecracker and you're just like popping off every two <laughs> seconds. So. But yeah, we, we've got some kind of resolution on it, but keep your ear out for that one on future episodes. Yeah, if you just hear, in case. You hear band practice kicking off in the and, middle. And it's not just normal band practice. It's deep, it's, heavy metal. It's like death metal. It yeah. is just screaming. It literally is like, who even listens to music and like that? Why? Why would you want to put yourself through that? I mean, why? Why? Is there anyone else that listens to this? 
Well, just looking at the screen, though, it looks like it's flashing. Is it that... might might be, but it might not flash afterwards. If not, then we'll just be flashes, innit? Well, there's worse things to be, I guess. That's true, like listening to death metal music. Mm. Mm. So, yeah, so six weeks, six weeks we've been going. It's mm. been a bit of a whirlwind, isn't it, really? Mm. So well, how's your podcast been going? Yeah, my podcast has been really good. Um, I'm meeting, like, a lot of different business women that have had different stories to tell, uh, different backgrounds, different experiences. So it's what I would take from it is I've learned a lot from these people, mm. a lot about how they are as business people, um, like Natasha, for example, the whole gratitude thing, yeah. that really stuck with me. Yeah, those those got, I mean, so that's Natasha Tingley, isn't yes. it? So Kev's other half, uh, Kev being Paint Warrior, so... To let you guys know that are listening, because it'll be like mixed between Angie's platform and mine. So I had Kev Tingley, who is otherwise known as Paint Warrior, on my podcast, and Angie had his other half, Natasha, on hers. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, like, first of all, big shout out to those guys, mm. um, because they're just genuinely lovely people. Like. Yeah, they really are. But their story was just fascinating. I could not imagine, like, how do you even imagine? getting that phone call from your upper half mm. saying that you've been stabbed eight times. I must admit, to be honest, like talking to mm. Kev, I don't know whether it's a man thing because mm. like, I was sat there and it's there's a different side of it. There's like, you can kind of, like if somebody were to attack me, mm. it's like, okay, I've got to deal with that. Mm. It, I found it more emotional listening to Natasha's one. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like a couple of times it was a lump in the throat at, at listening to her yeah. because of the, like those guys obviously adore each other yeah. um and listening to her and Talk her sort of like reaction to that moment in their mm. lives well, it was heartbreaking to be yeah. honest wasn't it? it was kind of paved where they're where they are now and how they move forward i think yeah mm. and and that's the incredible thing um i mean i've had quite a bit of feedback from mm-hmm. kev's episode mm-hmm. on my platform and it's the thing is with kev he does get some shit basically from mm. idiots online because he's got a big platform so well that's what happens in. doesn't it the bigger someone's platform becomes the more these little rats come out of the woodwork little rats the little rats the <laughs> rat well, it's true though but yeah. my argument being if anyone actually listened to his story and could still then like there's literally nothing to criticize a guy mm. on all he's done is just tried to provide a life for his family well i'll tell you, you what know? it is it's that people are je- jealous of his position he's following his success what he's doing how he's doing it people mm. are envious they they will always be better because it's something that they couldn't possibly do or achieve themselves it's because people focus on the end product though isn't mm. it it's like they get jealous of somebody stood on top of a mountain but they don't see the climb mm. they don't see all the slips the stumbles the pain and get into that point i mean i don't think there's many people out there that would actively swap with kev to mm. be where i mean They'd swap with him to be where he is now, mm. but would they swap if it meant going through everything he's gone through? No, they yeah, wouldn't. Exactly. They Nobody wouldn't. would. So all credit to the guy, man. I wish him, honestly, nothing but success. Him and Natasha, I think they're fantastic people. They I? really are, yeah. and uh, they're going to be launching their podcast soon, so watch out for that. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And uh, obviously Natasha's just launched her salon, hasn't she? She has, yeah, yeah, which was, like, cool because she's, like um, – I totally get her because obviously she's walked into this place and she's known 
from like the minute that she walks in mm. and I could resonate with that because I'm the same. I walk in somewhere and I just know. And obviously recently we, we know that I've uh, made some further decisions in my life. Yeah. Yeah. So we had what, a two day turnaround on the podcast studio and then not long after, what did you do, Ange? Well, yeah, kind of moving salons in I again, but it's six, I've been six years. It's been six years. So it's the longest I've ever stayed put in one place, but you got to give me some credit. I did execute that really well. Execute what? My business plan. <laughs> you mean the one you showed me? Yeah. Yeah. Fair play. Yeah. yeah. Do you know why I did that? No. Cause I knew you would have all these questions and I thought, right, knowing you as a know you, I'm going to assassinate each corner that he's going to come at me with as to why it might not be a good idea. Mm. So I just presented to you based on all your objections. That's it. So Angie Monroe's <laughs> salon is on the move. And when are we putting this episode out? Uh, well, it won't be. Well, I, I don't know. It depends on you. I, I need to put this one out soon because I haven't got one to put out. Angie needs tomorrow. to put it out. So it's going to be going out. Yeah. <laughs> um, so in that case, you can't say where it is. No, so I've, I've not, not that I'm being secretive about it. She is being secretive. <laughs> I think just generically before, I'd just blur everything out. Whereas now, I've been a lot more thought out, a lot more plan has come into play, and I'm just doing it in stages, and then I'm telling my clients when I see them, mm. rather than just like blurting it out so if you want to know you've got to book him for a service <laughs> <laughs> and if you try and get it out of me before it's not coming out <laughs> mm. so yeah that's end of the month isn't it so yeah it's going to be so the end of the month yeah that's like literally two two and a three quarter weeks left it is to the point i'm fitting the new floor in the new premises next week yeah so no messing about like go from creating the podcast studio to new salon but to be fair mm. the new place is kind of already done in such a way that I can move in other than the flooring. Mm, true so, story. Yeah. The, the scheme for that is going to be very, very wild. Mm. I don't believe in. Can you say what are your, what's your motivation for moving? Um, good question. Um, I've always wanted to at some point move. I never thought I would when I first moved into obviously where I am now. I thought that that's where I was going to be for life. I just had no desire in moving because I've done all, all of that, been big, been small, been in between and what have you. But obviously the last 12 months for me, I've just had itchy feet where I know I need to expand in order to do certain things. I need that step above the step that I'm at now. So the motivation was that I just knew, I mean, you knew that I had these thoughts I knew as soon as you started talking about it, it was going to happen imminently because I know you. That's why. <laughs> so as soon as you were like, I'm thinking about this, I was like, oh, shit, that's happening. Well, what had actually happened, I'd not really told anyone what my thinking was. I kind of kept a lot of it to myself because I didn't want any outside influence. I didn't want anyone's opinions. I didn't want your opinion. I didn't want, like, Elle's opinion. Because I knew she, you would pull me back. She'd egg me on. But I just needed to work out whether it was right for me. And I'd obviously made various different mistakes before with moving. And so I've become more in tune with how I feel when I walk into a place. Mm. Like when I look at like other places that I've had, like everything was against me. 
me, but I just kept pushing and pushing and being determined that it was going to happen. I was going to have it, have that place. And it was completely the wrong energy. So I just kind of went in based on how I felt. And if it was going to come to me, then I was going to go for it, which is why I've probably been a lot more reserved than you would normally see me. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Mm. It's in fairness, as you know, as I've told you like privately, I'm not, I don't, I can see why you want to move anyway. Mm. So I've been saying it for a while that I think to grow, mm. you have to move. You've kind of outgrown the premises that you're in, haven't you? Mm. Well, enough about you. Let's talk about your guests. <laughs> cool. Uh, who so- was your first guest? Molly. Uh, yeah, my, okay. Molly. Molly. Hi, Molly. Hi, Molly. <laughs> Molly's my friend, and Molly is someone that I trained in aesthetics. That's how I met her, mm-hmm. and her episode was quite endearing because she opens up and talks about her personal uh, borderline personality disorder. You had quite a big response after that one. Didn't yeah, you? yeah, because a lot of people kind of came forward that suffered from the same thing actually for anyone listening on the talking tradesman what episode is that so that's molly kavanagh yeah yeah yeah, episode one oh right number one yeah number one um and she kind of has gone through like her own life journey not really understanding what she had Mm. that was wrong with her could never place it obviously there's a lot that goes on in childhood as we know and that played a massive factor for her but um Knowing her as short as I have, I can see like the transition that she's made because mm. I st- still see snippets of her personality. Um, but that's where me and her match up because we both got a crazy side. That diagnosis for her, though, that was a positive thing, though, wasn't it? To yeah. be able to like move on. Yeah, absolutely. Because she was kind of like, oh, okay, that's why I'm like that. Yeah. That's why I do these things. I recognize that now. So now I can kind of adjust and adapt my life, knowing mm. that that was what the problem was. It's a double-edged sword, isn't it? Because I see the positive side of a diagnosis when you've potentially mm. been like living a life thinking there's something not right. I'm not quite fitting in. I don't know what it is. And then they get the diagnosis and it ticks all the boxes and it's kind of that like eureka moment. And then there's the other side of that with certain mental health disorders where labeling becomes an issue, mm-hmm. like how I see it anyway. You know, yeah. people can adopt a label and become that. Yeah, they book it, it becomes their identity, exactly. doesn't it? So it's a fine think, line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, exactly that. It's getting a diagnosis and then using it to develop coping mechanisms Mm. to live a happy life. And then there's getting a diagnosis and becoming the diagnosis, Mm. you know, and that being there. And which, from what I've seen of Molly, she certainly isn't doing that. No, no, no. She's very um, aware of herself. I think she's always been quite aware of herself. Mm. She's been aware of her actions, taking accountability, but couldn't understand why she was the way that she was. Yeah, so that's a positive, isn't it? Absolutely, and I think it's important because obviously we hear a lot of different things to do with like ADHD and stuff like that, Mm. and a lot of people do identify that completely as their character, and that's where the 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 fine line is. It's kind of okay. I recognise that that's what I am. That's why I do the things that I do, but not to live your life like it. It's weird, isn't it? I was just Mm. thinking then it's a really privileged position that we're in Mm. sat here sort of like providing the platform for people to give their stories out. Mm. Um, I mean, my first episode was James Reeve from Royal Spa Decorating. Um, And to be honest with you, you know this anyway, I was shitting myself. Mm -hmm. I'll say I was. 
this whole thing's really alien. And yeah. I wasn't bothered at all until about 10 minutes before he got here. And then all of a sudden I was like major imposter syndrome. Mm. You know, what am I doing? How, who am I to be? He had the proper shits. Not literally. <laughs> I did not literally have the shits. Um, I was just, yeah, they, they sort of a, not a panic attack as such, but that whole like, oh God, what is this? Like, what, what am, am I, doing? I doing? Yeah. How did you Which, like, what? Do you, did you feel there was a turning point with that? Like, on where that was conversation. it? Conversation. Like after you, where, when did the nerves go? They're still there to a degree, um, but much more under control. It's like I think it's just a mindset mm-hmm. flip. And what I've tried to do is be grateful for it. In terms of I've spent the last I don't know how long doing jobs or not that this is a job, but doing things that I've been very comfortable doing. Mm-hmm. Um, so to be in a position where I was uncomfortable for the first time in a long time, I sort of have had to flip that in my head to be like, be grateful for it. Mm. You know, finding something that scares you or makes you anxious or whatever, be grateful for that kind of thing. That's the only way you can evolve. Obviously, you're, you've kind of stayed quite comfortable, haven't you, with the things that you, you've done. So mm. this is probably has been a massive change. And you're not used to the, no, the no, I'm not used constant to, look, pace of it. None things. of this is natural, is it? I mean, look, I'm sat here with a microphone <laughs> in front of my face. Microphone. I can't. Why? I'm not Why? touching the you microphone. This is a microphone. Wait, it's not moving. I'm touching the stand because Why? I want to, because it gives me control and I like it. Freak. <laughs> but having this in front of you, having the camera pointed at your face, it's not natural, is it? Um, although I'm, I'm definitely getting used to it now. So, but yeah, that was, um, well, I guess you're always nervous at your first time, and <laughs> so um, depends how wasted you were. Potentially, so <laughs> well, I wasn't wasted; I was sober. Um, but yeah, so that that was my my first episode was James, which was a really good conversation. To be fair, mm-hmm. um, what key points way. did you get from it? Loads, mm-hmm. loads, really. We we touched on a lot of things. I mean, James for Angie's audience. Um, another painter and decorator like me, successful businessman. Uh, last couple of years, he's won, um, I think, the uh, on the tools decorator of the year last year, runner up the year before that, mentor of the year. So he's smashing it in business now. Mm-hmm. Um, but he, to summarize his story, it evolved around his battle with mental health mm-hmm. and the fact that he had been. Isn't this the guy that tried to, well, wanted to kill himself? Uh, yeah. yeah, so he had an accident at work. That's it. Passed out, had a fit, um, and then couldn't work for a number of months. And it was during that time that he sort of had a very dark period mm-hmm. and considered taking his own life. Wow. And then his journey through that. Um, but, yeah, it, fascinating, really, to speak mm. to somebody that's been to that point um, and then pulled himself back up and achieved everything that he's achieved. So. Yeah, that started off my it, podcast. It just shows. I mean, I'm listening to a um, Audible book at the moment, and I've listened to a few hours to it today whilst you've been out doing uh, taking Freya back. Mm. But um, it's interesting that I took from it about like certain things that happened. Had they not happened, even if they were bad, there's always that little bit of good that comes off the back of the bad. The value in trauma. Mm-hmm. That's it's like the big message that I'm picking up on through everyone. And this is the thing, isn't it? The more people I'm speaking to, and I've been fortunate that everyone I've 
spoken to, I guess, in order to step forward, you've got mm. to be a certain frame of mind. Mm. But I've spoken to some incredible people with incredible stories. And that is the common theme, is not letting what has happened to you define you and finding the value in it, which sounds mad. Do you know what I mean? Something horrific happens to you, find the value in it. And the problem is, is some people don't find the value and they become they their become own it. victim Yeah, of they, it. they become mm. a victim of it and it becomes their identity. I can't imagine how limiting that would be. Like if they could just utilise that mm. to do something with it, it's so much more powerful than... It is. Well, I mean, look at, look at Kev, for example. Mm. Yeah, well, yeah. He has gone through an horrific event in his life where he was attacked, stabbed, where people tried to kill him, mistaken identity. You'll have heard the story. Um, but he could quite have easily just live the rest of his life as a victim of that and that mm. be his identity. But instead, he's now got this amazing brand, you know, which is something really positive that has all come off the back of the whole situation. Yeah, and had that not had happened to him, none of this would be the case, would it? Mm. And unfortunately, sometimes things play out in a certain way, but other things come off the back of it. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely a mindset thing, mm. I think. Um, and there's a lot of people, like I say, out there that horrible things do happen to them. Mm. They don't ever get over it. And it's not, this isn't taking shots at them, mm. you know. But ultimately, there's that saying, isn't there, that you're not in control of what happens to you. You're only in control of your reaction to that. Mm -hmm. And that's powerful in itself. Yeah. You know, because the, the thing is, if something terrible happens to you in your life, the only person that it affects by sort of staying in that point of trauma is you. Yeah, it just ends up a vicious circle. Yeah, it's, it's your own life, isn't it? So... Yeah, that, that was, um, I guess that's been a key sort of like common denominator in the conversations I've had is everyone that I've spoken to has managed to move on through finding value in what they've gone through. So, which is important. I think it's just about taking it and learning from it. Yeah, definitely. And I think if people could implement that, no matter how bad something is, you, you're the only one that can change it. Well, change what moves forward. That's it. Yeah. Um, so who else have you had? I had the lovely Janelle. She came all the way down from Bedfordshire mm. to do a podcast with me. Really, really lovely girl. Like the way she held herself. She's only 24. And mm. to be that mature at 24, having had what she's had to deal with growing up. I mean, I was just full on in shock which is what because my listeners won't know what you're talking about she suffered a lot with racism growing up i mean obviously we've all seen it in terms of what we've seen growing up i grew up in london you grew up near birmingham it is mm. happening daily but i was genuinely shocked because i thought maybe it's kind of just like calmed down but it hasn't course, yeah, she's only 24 so yeah. we're only talking school age what, 10 years 10 ago years, yeah in the last 10 years i mean what which to make you feel really old 10 years ago that's like 2014 but do you know the mad thing is you say 10 years ago i think 1990 <laughs> that's when that's when my head goes yeah yeah so she's really had to deal with a lot of horrible things of people calling her names such as gorilla 
Like, what yeah. the actual fuck? Like, I listened to the episode, and the one thing I'd say if she listens to this is she did hold herself incredibly well. Mm. Lovely woman, you know, really sort of head screwed on. Her values are in the right place. Um, and again, she's taken all that and used it as like fuel to drive herself to where she is now. And that's what is important. I love seeing people like that where they're faced with adversity or mm. trauma or whatever, but they don't allow it to get that deep in for it to like affect what it is that they want to do. Yeah. She's literally utilized every bit of trauma horrible bad words she's had said about her skin color and turn it around to be completely something that drives her forward mm. and the thing that struck me as well about that conversation mm. with you was that some of that racism was actually from the teacher themselves at the school because she had that teacher that then later on went into the shop yeah. went into the salon she was working for she was having her nails done and she was still rude to her there and then like all those years on and it's just like how are people even getting away with that to be fair yeah i mean this is going to be a subject now i could talk about for a while because i've got to be in my bonnet about it but the education system to me and this if anyone's listening whatever i'm about to say is entirely my opinion um but and it's not a shot at teachers either mm. because i think teachers are, most of them are genuinely there to try and they think they're doing the right thing they're there to educate kids so i'm not having a pop at teachers but underneath that whoever sets the curriculum and just the general tone of education i think is so outdated and toxic if i'm honest and that's a big mm -hmm. statement but with a lot of the things that i've seen and heard recently that that's the way i see it um Obviously, I'm speaking to a lot of tradespeople, mm. um, and there's nobody really that has got a particularly good story of coming through the education system. I think it's just, well, you know my opinion on that, and it's all very much keep people in the sense of programmed, how they want them Explain to Explain what you mean by that. Well, people being programmed all of their lives. We're mm. like from day dot, we're watching TV. We're being told how to think, what to eat, what to do, mm -hmm. and what our outcomes should be. You must go and go to college. You must, must go to school. You must go to uni. You must get a job. You must buy a car. You must have a mortgage, and you must this, you must that. But really... Well, I think to focus on what you just said there, mm -hmm. like you must get a job, but it's certain jobs, isn't it? Mm -hmm. It's not any job. School mm -hmm. system doesn't direct you to a job that's suitable for you. Mm -hmm. They seem to... I'll just come out there and say it now. So the way I see it at the moment with the, the system, the school system in the UK, unless you want to go on to further education, they're not interested. Mm -mm. And it's not what's best for the kid. It's best for the figures. Yeah. it's Ofsted. what's So, you know, shoot me down for being wrong here. But I think everyone has got to keep in mind that the school system is a business in itself. Mm. So they get paid for the amount or they have targets to hit for the amount of kids that have to go into sick form mm -hmm. and the amount of kids that go to uni there's a kickback there's all this kind of stuff so what do, what makes sense for the school to direct kids because one of the reasons i'll highlight here so my son alfie your stepson just in case you didn't know who he was um okay, so i didn't know who he was 
know who he is. He lives with us. Letting all of our listeners combined know. Um, But he has just left school last year. uh, And I think it was last year or the year before that in school, he had an instance where one of his teachers said to him, I remember this. Because he was play, not playing up or he wasn't stood, whatever it was, he, he had a lapse in concentration, let's say that. And his teacher's response to that was, pay attention and do your work because if you don't, you'll end up on a building site. <laughs> Which obviously rattled a cage with me because I was like, hold on. What they mean by that? You know, what, what's wrong? Don't builders with- earn more money than teachers? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Most like, <laughs> like, let's be honest here. Anyone who's in the trades and knows the trades, if you run your own business, if you're an electrician, a plumber, whatever it might be, and you're running your own business, there's a lot of electricians out there, plumbers out there, builders out there, turning over £100,000 a year, mm. which is a hell of a lot more than doctors. You know, there's this huge skills shortage in the building mm. trades. And this is one of the contributing factors. The schools are telling our kids, that if you end up in the building trades, it's a failure. Yeah, which and is wrong. It is. And touching on, so I had a really in-depth, fantastic conversation with a lady called Susie Bennett, who has just done a PhD in male suicide research. Yeah, I remember that podcast. Yeah. And, and one of her things that she highlighted to me was the society, the societal values that are put on men in terms of failure. And whether it's okay to fail, essentially that it's not okay to fail. It's almost like the school is setting you setting them up to fail. This is what I'm getting at: is mm. that if a kid now comes out of school and ends up in the building trades, it's almost like they're pre-programmed that mm. you've already failed because you're in the trades, mm. so you're already a failure. Whereas in fact, it's a damn good career to have. Mm. You, it, there's certain people out there that are not academic. And it's not taking shots at academia. If mm. you're academically minded, you want to be a solicitor, a lawyer, whatever that might be, fantastic. Stay, stay in school, mm. go to college, go to uni. But it shouldn't be devalued just because someone wants to do something else. Exactly. That doesn't mm. fit the narrative of what, you know, the schools are telling people holds value. Um, I mean, here's another example. So you were with me at this point. Mm. When we went to Alfie's, uh, so my son, He's doing his first year electrical uh, course. He's decided he wants to be an electrician. So he's at college at the moment. And he had an open day. You remember the mm-hmm. tutor? Mm-hmm. So when he went to his open day and they asked him what his predicted results were, which were relatively good results, mm-hmm. they basically said, we'll sign you up now. Fast track. You don't yeah. need an interview. And I was like, whoa. Like, why? You wouldn't interview at someone like that in the real world. No. But I, I asked the tutor, I said, why? He went, we don't get kids with those grades. I was like, okay, why? He said, I'll be honest with you. The kids that get sent to our course are the ones that have failed their exams. Wow. And that's to be an electrician. But that's like a highly skilled job. You're dealing with freaking explosions Electric- yeah. <laughs> in the back. And <laughs> in fairness, and this is another, like, high, to highlight the fact that his first day in college, Alfie rings me up and he said, dad, Half of my timetable is English and maths. And I went, why? And he went, I don't know, I passed. I went, well, go to reception and ask them. And when he went and asked them, they basically said, we assume that everybody that comes on this course will fail. (laughs) So we book on English and maths because we assume that you need to resit them. 
And he went, well, I've passed mine. And they went, oh, okay, then. And all they did was take that off his timetable. So the reason that he's doing barely anything now, he's doing two and a half days a week, is because all the other kids on the course, they assume fail their GCSEs. So they book in resits as part of their course curriculum. Wow. Does that not tell you everything about who they think is coming into the building trades? It says everything, doesn't it? Oh, I think so. I think mm. it's horrendous. I really do. You know, back seemed to be a few years ago, there were like old fashioned apprenticeships and it, there was value to that, mm-hmm. you know, and it, it was seen as like a worthy occupation to go into. Now the schools, I think know. that that's that narrative and that vibe in the UK, because in like Australia, it's different, isn't it? Tradies are like revered and well paid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. America are the same as well. Oh, are they? I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah. I think that's slightly more regulated from what I know. Mm -hmm. Like you kind of have to be qualified and hold certain qualifications to do them. Whereas in the UK, they're a little bit more wild west. Mm -hmm. So obviously electricians and plumbers, gas plumbers have to be certified, but the rest of the trades are a little bit more, uh, yeah, it's like the wild west out there to be fair. You took the word straight out of my mouth. (laughs) Maybe if if that was addressed, maybe Mm -hmm. that would lift the stigma on it. But, Mm -hmm. you know, and my podcast being about, tackling the issue of mental health issues within the building industry. I think from the minute people get into the building trades, they're almost on the wrong foot straight away. Well, yeah, because they've been like programmed to believe different and it takes Mm. like, they would really have to have like a good family support system. And a lot of people that generally get into the trades in what I think anyway, don't have that. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And that's yeah. then they're left to kind of think and feel as they want to feel without yeah. any guidance. Battle it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's um, it needs addressing for sure. Mm-hmm. But I can't see that it ever will because at the moment, as I say, unless you're academically sort of switched on or gifted, whatever it might be, and that comes from me mm-hmm. who I could have gone to uni. You know, I, I haven't, I didn't get into the building trades because I failed. I got into the trades because of my personal circumstances at the time mm-hmm. um, and because I didn't know what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. So I kind of ended up where I am. And here you are today podcasting. And here I am today podcasting. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. I mean, what was your experience at school? Well, obviously we all know that I'm not the most academic person on the planet because I struggle with the written side so I think I was overlooked at school uh, because I was so um I was a lot more creative everything that I did and would do would be quite visual mm-hmm. um, and back then we're talking well over 30 odd years ago they never kind of looked at how I would like to learn or what worked best for me which was in a visionary or a discussion or pictures or whatever like that everything was just all written that added with the fact that I have a really like s- slow <laughs> attention span. I struggled a lot. You mean, I mean fast attention uh, span? Slow. Slow? Oh no, it's fast. Yeah, it? you can't go. Yeah. Yeah, I've got like literally an attention span of a gnat, basically. Mm. Uh, so I need to be constantly stimulated mentally because the way my brain is wired, it's like constantly. It's probably why I am the way I am. And I have all these things that I do is because of the way my brain is, because I have to, it's, it's what I like, it's what I enjoy. But when I was at school, 
I literally come out with not one single GCSE. What you just said, though, the first part of your sentence was, I was overlooked at school. Mm. Yeah. Which is pretty much exactly what I just mm. said about the people going into the trades. And I would say that your industry is probably similar. Mm. Yeah, so. a lot of, and I see it, like with all the young girls that I have uh, that come in to have their hair done or beauty treatment or whatever, I can tell you categorically that when I ask them what you're going to be doing at college, I know the answer and it's hair or it's beauty, hair, mm -hmm. beauty or both or whatever. And I think as well, they, they do it because they think it's the easiest way out. But actually mm -hmm. it's not because firstly, when you're studying beauty, you have to know anatomy and physiology. That ain't easy. Like understanding all the different layers of skin understanding a freaking nail like I don't need to know a nail <laughs> but given what I do with the you know aesthetics I've had to learn all of that you know things like the science like if I was to give you a loads of color and told you to dye your own hair would you know how to formulate that to stop it from going too warm and not making it look natural I would not <laughs> but this is what's then overlooked they get into it and a lot of them don't last mm -hmm because it's actually harder than they think because of the science that's involved in it and the like contraindications, the factors, the mixing of colors, knowing your color wheels, having to like um, cancel out certain colors that you don't want and even down to like beauty and yeah. coloring eyebrows, let's say. You imagine though, if, if flip that on its head, you imagine if the schools looked at it differently, identified people like you, or identify even people who are academically mm -hmm. gifted and went, you know what? You would be an amazing entrepreneur. Mm. You would smash it if you ran a business. You should look at going and opening a business, doing something. How many times has a teacher ever said that to a kid? Not, not once that I'm aware of. And the thing is, as you've said before, teachers come out of education and then go back straight into education. A lot of the time, not they all stay, of them. No, and yeah. they, stay, they stay in the system, basically. Yeah, they, they yeah. But so, they're not allowed, even though you might have. But then you get, do you get creative teachers? Of, I guess maybe art. Art, yeah, a yeah. little bit. But do you have, um, do, do teachers have creative, um, like, what's the word I'm looking for? Are they, are they given a, um, oh, what is it? Um, creative freedom. To no, teach how they want. That's why I said at the beginning of this, it's not the teacher's fault. They mm. have to follow like yeah. the curriculum. Yeah, that's, that's the point I'm making. That, mm. that, that needs, and you mean, look at that. I mean, why aren't our kids taught about, you want to teach on maths? Why aren't they taught interest rates? Why, when they yeah. come out of school, exactly. Do you know why they're not taught that? Because people in this country that are higher above make money off debt. Yeah, of course they do. That's, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. But then that's where you get into the, are they really teaching our kids to help them or to put them on the the machine, the rabbit run? It's the, on the hamster, the hamster wheel. wheel. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because like I just said, you want to teach kid maths. Not many are ever going to use algebra. Oh, you know? God, yeah. <laughs> so teach them interest rates, teach them how mortgages work, teach them APR, teach them what a good loan or a bad loan is, teach them about credit ratings. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like all these actual life skills that they bypass to teach them it's just a memory game for me, is, a lot of it. It is, and it's it's all about controlling the people because they don't really want people to be successful. I mean, look what's happened in the last 20 years. You've got all of these different entrepreneurs mm. 
And then all of a sudden, we're all hit with what we were hit with three, four years ago, mm. no, four years ago now. Uh, and that's knocked out a load of self-employed people. Yeah, I mean, it's my personal belief. I don't think the government likes the self-employed. Mm -mm. It's, it's too hard to track for them. Mm -hmm. um, but it, it's starting at that foundation level, isn't it? Starting mm. at the kids. Um, and not to go too deep into it, but when you look into like evolution and the psychology of evolution, it's a very unnatural thing mm -hmm. to take a kid away from their parents at like four years old. And then it's mad, actually, when you, when you frame it like this, at four years that old. Dr. Garby, he talked about uh, the whole. Mate, Gabor Mate. That's the one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He talked about when um, people are taught to leave a baby, mm -hmm. let it cry, let it like. Attachment, but yeah. the 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 most important thing is to nurture it, nurture it yeah. yeah, pick the baby up, hug it. Yeah, that's it. And he, he gave the example of like tribes people, didn't he? Where the, the baby mm. for the first couple of years in a lot of these tribes mm. actually is essentially attached to the mother, um, and then they go on to be extremely independent. So mm. it's that's the thing. If somebody would say to you, do you know what? If you imagine for a moment that schools don't exist, right? Mm. They don't exist. Edu you're in a place where there's no education. I'm going to come and take your child at four, take it away from you for 12 years for 40 hours a week. And I'm going to teach it what I want to teach it. And I ain't telling you what I'm teaching it because that's what it is. I mean, me as a parent myself, I don't get contacted by the school to say that, you know, can yeah. we teach your child this? They get taught what the school curriculum says, and it's not like it's freely available. Yeah. You don't get a, you know, a package at the beginning of the year saying, this year we're going to teach your daughter or son this. I wouldn't be able to cope with it. It's probably why I'm not like a fully fledged mother, if you know what I mean. Like I would be a nightmare. Like mm. I would be that mother that went down the school to argue. I'd argue with them. I'd be like, no, 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 that's not how it is. My sister's a bit like that. Natalia. Good. I'm glad. Yeah. I mean, rightly or wrongly, the way that I handled it with my son and you, mm. you saw this was like, because the other thing I don't agree mm. with is the exam system. I don't understand why you can put a child through 12 years of education and then quantify that with an hour's test or two hours mm -hmm. or three hours at the end of that time. Um, and they put so much pressure on the mm -hmm. kids. And they More so now than ever. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. my sister was saying that um, little B, that's my nephew, by the way, um, he was getting ang anxious about like yeah. tests and he's only 11. It's because, again, they, they like tell them that their value is dictated mm. by this result, this mark, mm. this number that becomes them. Mm. You know what I mean? And that was what I said to Alfie at the time when he did his GCSEs because he was sort of, you know, I need to get this, I need to get that. I was like, well, what happens if you don't? Mm. He was like, oh, nothing really. You know, it's, mm. it's not the be all and end all, is it? And everyone <laughs> wants their kids to do well. And to a degree, there's a lot of parents out there that, again, Will quantify their success as a parent by their kids' results at school. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like the kid could come out of school a gibbering wreck, but straight A's, and the parents like, "Yay, mm. <laughs> did, did a good job." You know that often leads the kid into a direction where they don't actually want to be, so therefore their career path later on in life would usually change. Yeah, well, I mean, take me for example. Funny story on this one. So I. Did my GCSEs, did relatively well. I got eight GCSEs at like C and above, six at B and above. Mm. Um, and went in sixth form, mainly because I hadn't got a clue what I wanted to do. 
um, took three subjects that didn't make any sense. Um, one of which being PE. <laughs> and I was the first year when they split A-levels to AS and A2. I think they reverted it back afterwards, but it was because A-levels, I don't know how they work now, but they used to be that you did a two, you did an exam at the end of the two years. Then they changed it and they halved it. There was an exam mm -hmm. at the end of the first year. So I went into sick form and I went, it was mad for me because in year 11 at school, I, I wasn't one of the naughty kids. I guess I was mischievous, but I wasn't naughty. There were always kids that were naughtier. You know, the kids that like try and burn the school down. Oh. Those ones, the it, ones that set the toilet on fire. What Russ was, was a, a law-abiding, corrupt citizen child. Sort of, <laughs> yeah. So me and my mates, as I say, we were like the boisterous, the football team, the, you know, the rugby team lads. Um, we used to get into little bits of trouble, but just for being cheeky or answering back, mm -hmm. the odd detention, but nothing major. And then I remember having a summer holiday and coming back in for sick form and it's like they expect this model citizen to be back. And they were asking me to do things like hallway duty at lunchtime. And I was like, nah, I ain't doing that. And then the only reason I agreed to do it is because they let us do, they let me and my mates do hallway duty in the PE corridor. So we used to just get the footballs out and kick the footballs up and down the, the corridor. But my claim to fame, I became the second sick former in the history of my school to get suspended. <laughs> As if, you, what, how old were you when you got suspended? Uh, 15, I'd have been. I'd, I'd, how old's Alfie now? 16. I'd have been 16. Yeah. Oh, because you were in I was a young one, though. I was a young one, so I might have been, yeah, 16, I'd have been. I got suspended too. Oh, you'd have been out of school by then? No, I wasn't. Well, back then, but I got suspended at school. Yeah. Alcohol. Alcohol? Mm. I took, I stole. My mother's um, Polish vodka, which was like 90-something percent proof, um, and decided to pour it into like um, a lemonade bottle mm. and make it look like it was lemonade. So we went to our food uh, lesson. So I threw all the um, vodka, well, most of the vodka into the food so that when we ate it, we would be drunk. What and food the one would can know. you put vodka in? It was spaghetti bolognese. That must have been rank. We didn't care. We did not care. <laughs> Vodka spaghetti bolognese. Yeah, yeah. That sounds horrific. No, it was great. Um, and then what happened was there was half of this bottle left and this girl took it to the, her next lesson. Anyway, after that lesson, she was absolutely paralytic, couldn't stand nothing. And then she dobbed on us. So we got carted off to the headmaster's um office and mm. got suspended and then I never forget my stepdad had took the call not my mother I mean I would have been like my life would have been over I'd have been like completely like, like you wouldn't see me I'd be dead but um he took he come to the school to get me and he said when your mother comes home I want you to leave the house <laughs> leave the house I was grounded for like 300 years and then from that moment the uh, cabinet where all the alcohol was kept was kept locked <laughs> I was never having my hands again on 90% uh, proof alcohol from Poland. <laughs> I was lucky when I got suspended. My dad was on holiday and I was on my own. I was, I was just at home. I alone. don't know why they do that because I just stayed in bed for two days. It was the best oh. part, part of my day, my week. Yeah, it didn't bother me. Yeah, it didn't bother I mean, me. Either. Funny story though. I'll, I'll tell you how I got suspended. Remind me. Uh, so, I, as I said, I did PE. Um, 
so I was out with the rest of my class playing football at mm. the time. And when we came back after playing football, some kids from the year below had, I think they had bunked off their lesson, gone into the PE changing rooms, gone through everyone's jackets and stole everyone's phones. Oh, and I remember, yeah, 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 go on. so I had this blue seat. No, it wasn't Siemens. Set, what? Siemens? Was it Siemens? Siemens? You had a Siemens phone? Siemens. Siemens. That was a brand. Siemens, wasn't it? It doesn't. It, it, semen, though. Why would anyone? No, I'm sure. S I E M A N. Why would someone Siemens. call a phone after, like, jizz? I don't think they thought about that. I time. never had a Siemens. As if you had a Siemens phone. I think I did. At I'm Sony, sure Sony Ericsson's, anyway, Nokia's. Brand, the make of the phone is irrelevant at this point, but it was a shitty phone. I remember it had cost me 80 quid. I remember that because I'd earned the money working with my dad to buy the phone, right? And also, do you remember phones when you used to top them up? You used to actually top them up with minutes rather yeah, yeah, yeah. than money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I remember I'd just topped it up and I'd got like fresh minutes on my phone. So I've gone to play football, I've left the phone in my pocket. I've come back, phone's gone. So I'm raging. Bearing in mind, I'm like, how can I put it? When I was in year 11, that would not have happened because people knew me and knew my reaction to that. But then all of a sudden I get into sick form and it's like... Fresh batch. It's like, oh, I'm a sick former, therefore I'm going to behave differently. But I did not. So I've had my phone stolen. We've like reported it to PE teacher and I thought, fuck this, I'm getting my phone back. You're like, so I've like spread the word who's had my phone. And one of my mates, Tom, if you ever happen to be listening to this, has come, I'm sat in the common room and one of my mates has come into the common room and he's like, mate, I've heard who's had your phone. I'm like, sound, who is it? And he's gone, Chris Jones. Well, I'm throwing names out there. I was just going to say, did you just make that up? No, 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 oh, legit, <laughs> Chris Jones. And I was like, okay. I know that kid. So I'm like, right. So I'm like, I'm got straight out the door on the hunt, right? Mm. So I've gone looking around the school, can't find him, can't see him. And as I'm walking back into the common room, there he is. Not only there he is, but he looks over in my direction and laughs. So you imagine like red mist. So I've gone <laughs> storming over and I've grabbed the kid by the throat, pinned him up against the wall. And I've basically, I'm strangling him. And I've basically, I've said, I've told him, like, my locker is number whatever it is. My phone needs to be back in there by the end of the day or there's going to be further action. <laughs> Put it that way. Um, so I'm like, right, sound. I've dropped him. And this kid, he's like, okay, okay, okay. So I've dropped him, gone back in the common room, sat down. And my mate who's told me who it was, I've gone, yeah, I've just collared him, found him. And I've gone, uh, all I remember saying was something about the ginger kid because he was ginger. And my mates looked at me and gone, nah, mate, he ain't ginger. I've gone, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, he looks like this ginger hair. He's gone, nah, definitely got brown hair. <laughs> and I'm like, what? And I've gone, about so tall. He's like, nah, he's shorter than that. I'm like, ah, oh, and then it's dawned on me. Like, there were, there were three. That's three? There were three Chris Joneses <laughs> in the, the year below. So I've like, I've gone, oh shit, like obviously I felt terrible. So I've gone out of the common room to go and find him and apologize and find the right one. Right. But I've gone to apologize. The minute I've walked out the common room, my year head, Mrs. Smith, she hated me. Um, Was she related to him? No, she just <laughs> hated me. 
Um, so the minute I've stepped out, she stood there and she's gone in my office. I'm like, oh, here we go. So the minute I'd strangled him and left him, he'd then gone and grasped me up. <laughs> so then she's basically gone, look, I've had this lad in my office crying. He's all red. He's got marks all over his neck. Have you tried to strangle him? <laughs> and I've gone, no, I haven't tried to strangle him. Or I've explained the situation, kind of owned up to it, but I've gone, I didn't grab him by the throat. I grabbed him by the tie. She said, if you've, if you strangled him, you're expelled. <laughs> like, you're gone. Luckily for me, one of my mates, Sully, <laughs> was with me and he was like golden boy. He was, not only was he like a hall monitor, he was given like super hall monitor duty where he got to look at the CCTV. <laughs> so he was like super light brown noser. And he was there and I went, no, no, my, my friend was there. And it was only because Sully said, he grabbed him by the tie, not the throat. I didn't get expelled. Oh, wow. So I got suspended. And then I had to go and wait in the corridor. And as I was up there, uh, I saw another one of my mates, cousins. Little did I know at this point, it was him that had nicked the phone, not knowing it was mine. So then word got to him whose phone he'd took, which then swiftly got returned. So I got my phone back. Winning. But I got suspended for throttling the wrong kid. Did they use any of your minutes? No. <laughs> no, I got my phone back. Yeah. I remember her saying, she was like, we're going to ring your parents. I was like, you'll have a job. He's in Lanzarote. <laughs> and they, this was like, my dad, I don't think at that point my dad had a mobile phone. Mm -hmm. So I just got like released. I'm like, oh, you come back in five days. I expect my mom, who at the time was none the wiser to anything, to come to my like reinduction interview <laughs> to let me back in the school. I remember that. Oh, it was horrific. And then, the same woman, Mrs. Smith. So when it came to, you had to pass your ASs to get onto your A2s. And we got given like time slots to go and get our results. Mm -hmm. And as I walked up the stairs to the school, Mrs. Smith was waiting for me. And she, she's gone, Mr. Payne, can I have a word? I'm like, yeah, sure. And she, she basically said to me, she went, you've done surprisingly well at your exams. Because I wasn't there for half the time. She went, you've done surprisingly well, but if you'd like to finish your A-levels, please do it elsewhere. <laughs> that was it. So, Toodaloo, motherfucker. Yeah, me and my best mate at the time both got the same message. So that was the was point. Was that you and Elliot by it any was. chance? Well, as best as I know, he actually went to another school to finish it. Although I think he got booted out of that. I know he didn't finish up. <laughs> I think he didn't finish up. I certainly didn't. That was, that was my exit from education. Oh. Mm. Interesting. And then what happened then? Um, Christ. So I think, to be honest, after I got my results, I knew I wasn't going to go back to school. I knew I wasn't going to do my, I hated it. I hated it because I'd gone from being at school where you had to be at school to being in sit form where it was an option and they were really controlling, which mm. just rubbed me up the wrong way. So we got told we couldn't do things like on our free periods. You weren't allowed off the school grounds, so naturally. That's uncommon, though, for sixth formers. They usually are allowed out. It was a mega strict school. So mm -hmm. because it was in one of the rougher areas of town, they were super strict on mm -hmm. things like fighting, and they just straight expelled. Mm -hmm. um, so me and Elliot used to like do things like go to the pub at lunchtime and then get caught on CCTV coming back. Um mm -hmm. There was all sorts. I got into a fight the one lunchtime, came back covered in blood. I got pulled for that. I got about 
four or five final warnings that I was going to get booted. They, they never did kick me out, and I think that's just budget. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I'm just ahead. I was worth money to them at that point. Um, they couldn't afford to lose the figures. I think that's what it was. I think mm. it would just look bad on the school to expel me, so they kept Which is me. wrong, really, why they should be targeted like that. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. But yeah, uh, after that, I did a year's worth of agency work. Mm. So my own personal situation at home, I got to the point where I kind of, I needed money. I wanted to get out. Mm. So, yeah. Yeah, you find that often, like, after school, you've got one of two ways that people, well, one of three, actually, they'll carry on with further education, go traveling, mm. or just work. Yeah, I think my mates were kind of a 50-50 split mm -hmm. on that, to be fair. I think most of them, a lot of them went to uni. A lot of my friends mm. went to uni. Not many of them did much with it. Mm. But I do find that, time. though. Like, I look at, and I don't compare myself to anyone else, really, but for someone that's walked out of school with no GCSEs, it just shows that you can become and be something that doesn't define you based on your grades, exams that you got when you left school. 100%. But that, that, you know, what you say there, like somebody that walked out with no GCSEs, mm -hmm. I mean, when you break it down, what is a GCSE? It's, it's just systematic, a, isn't it? Exactly. It's it just a, a tick box yeah. that you're going to be looked and viewed like you are a somebody because you tick that box. But yeah. in reality, as an employer, when I look at someone's CV, I couldn't give a shit about what their GCSEs are. I really couldn't give a flying hoot. Mm. I look at the individual and how that individual is going to benefit my business. Simple. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I've not, I'm turning 40 this the year. The big 4-0, Russell. I'm not particularly You're going to be as old that. as me. What are you going to do for, what kind of, what, what are you going to do for my 40th wife? We're just going to stay in bed, isn't it? Is it? <laughs> One eyebrow up. Buzzing. <laughs> um, so yeah, turning 40 this year and I don't think nobody's ever asked me to see my results. No. I've kind of always done my own thing anyway, but yeah, I've not, and that's, you know, it's not slating people that do continue mm -hmm. to stay in academia. Well, yeah, it's personal choice, isn't yeah, it? But... but it's more to the point that you're slated if you don't. Mm -hmm. So it's Which kind of like Which live is... and let live. <laughs> no. All right, great. If you want to go off to uni and, and get your master's and doctorate and phd fantastic brilliant good for you mm. but also if people don't don't look down on them mm. yeah that's that's really important because people do think that people are thick unless they fit that stereotype and it just it it does su surprise me sometimes when i speak to various different people just how stereotyped things are and mm. everybody just sits in this little box but no one can sit outside the box. Yeah, exactly. Exactly that. And it, to me, it's like, it's the box that society, not even society, I guess mm. the people in power want you to go a certain way, it mm. feels like, because there's certainly no support or less support if you go any other way, mm. you know, which is, is really wrong. It really is. And I think that's a, a fundamental change that mm. needs to be made to sort of appreciate everybody's, everyone to me has got a value. Or it might be that you're academically gifted, fantastic. You might go on and be a, a lawyer, solicitor, whatever, and we need those. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, take a look around you. 
most of you listening to this are going to be in a building or in a vehicle. Without a builder or a mechanic or a line worker, that thing would not exist. Mm, so, that's true. you know, like when it comes to value of, of jobs and careers and importance, what's more important than that? You would look like a Yeti if it wasn't for me. True story. <laughs> I'd look like a white Yeti though. <laughs> yeah. No hair dye. No, you see my beard actually. Yeah, I was looking at it. It's very white now. I have not, private confession, I do dye my beard and I've not done it for a while. Do you want to tell them about that first time I dyed your hair? Do you remember that? Yeah, it was frightening. I was always, to be honest, I was always along the lines of going grey gracefully. I, I never really considered dyeing my hair until I got into a relationship with a hairdresser. Mm. And be honest, you hated grey hair. I don't, didn't dislike it, but I do have a preference for like non-grey hair. <laughs> but I said to him, my, like... In fairness, I was right. I said, let me colour your hair. I will make you look 10 years younger. And then I dropped the subject. I didn't go on about it. And then one day you decided that, We okay. remember this differently. I remember there were several comments. It wasn't what? like a... What were the several comments? There, like it was said once. Like, oh, by the way, I, I could dye your hair. I didn't tell you to... I didn't tell you go and dye your hair. No, you just mentioned several times how much you hate grey hair. Well, I didn't say I hate grey hair on you, did I? <laughs> yeah, right. Okay. Let's, yeah. So, what happened when I dyed your hair? He had a complete meltdown. Mm. He thought he looked like a Lego head, and he was there because of the hairline. Literally, he's got like PTSD over the hairline. Let me explain Lego head, though. You know, <laughs> like a Lego man, you can change their head. <laughs> oh, I've got some fluff dangling off my finger. But yeah, you can change their head. And it looks like, you know, a defined line. of. Yeah, that I know what a Lego yeah. head looks like. Exactly. So that's what I was concerned about. <laughs> hmm. Are you ready to talk about Roger Rabbit? Nope. No. That cannot be talked about because certain people might listen to this that cannot hear that story. <laughs> that's, that's a non-public. There are certain stories that remain private. Quite a few of my clients know that story. Yeah, that's fine. But, you know, out there, wider world isn't. No. Do you think there'll be a point in your life you'll be ready to talk about Roger Rabbit? Maybe. Maybe. Roger Rabbit is a dildo, guys. Why would she go? <laughs> Roger Rabbit Russ, has nothing don't lie. to do with sex Yes, stories. he did. Yes, he did. You tell him, tell him the truth. No, because what you've just said now, mm. can you imagine what people are thinking? Yeah, that you like rabbits. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's such a good twat. I almost feel like I need to tell the story now, just to clear that up. <laughs> Did you just see how I did that? Yeah, no, it's not the case. <laughs> Listen, like I said, there are certain people that could hear that story and it could cause me no end of grief. Therefore, that story is to be held in reserve until <laughs> at least seven or eight years' time. Yeah, so what, what when you're about the, like, D&D and I'll let you know. <laughs> yeah, so guys, if you want to know about the Roger Rabbit story, just ask Russ or just come and ask me and we'll tell you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, do you know what I knew I nearly said to you before recording <laughs> there are certain things that you can't talk about for certain reasons and that was going to be one of them and I knew you'd want to go there um, how has this gone from dyeing my hair to that just because it just, just comes up in my head didn't it mm -hmm. <laughs> anyway so yeah she dyes my hair mm -hmm. so what other guests have you had on me oh wow um was Roger Rabbit one of your guests? No, it's not. 
Would you like Roger Rabbit to be one of your guests? I can arrange that for you. We just dropped this Roger Rabbit (laughs) thing now, please. I'm sure everybody's wondering what it is, but let's just drop it there. Describe Roger for me. What does he look like? So Roger Rabbit does not look like a sex toy. Roger (laughs) Rabbit looks like who framed Roger Rabbit, Roger Rabbit. And how big was Life size, moving on. (laughs) So... What was the thing? Guests. Um, but so, yeah, I've had some fascinating conversations, to be honest. Mm. I've had, just to run through briefly, I've mentioned James, I've mentioned Susie. Um, spoke to uh, John from JG Decorator, who, again, I mean, well, he reached out to me and said, and I quote, I'd like to come and have a conversation. I think I've got a story to tell. I was raised in a religious cult. So... You can imagine that that was an interesting one. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had uh, Joe, Tradesman's coach, who's a PT. Um, so I had him on to try and cover the angle of the relation between mental health and fitness. Um, put me on the spot now. I've got like, no memory. Obviously, Kev. Mm-hmm. Uh, and my most recent one was Gary from Quality Brush Strokes. I mean, Gary's story was... You haven't listened to that yet, have you? But you've told me about it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that was blindsided me because I didn't know any of this until the day that Gary came mm-hmm. in. Um, and the way that I'm approaching the podcasts that I'm doing, I kind of don't want to know too much mm. because I want it to be a natural conversation as much as possible. Yeah, I get that. Non-scripted and, you know, I kind of need to know a little bit to try and structure a conversation. Um, but yeah, I didn't know half of what Gary came out with. And obviously if people have listened to my podcast, they'll know, but Angie's listeners won't. Um mm. So Gary was subject to sexual abuse uh, between the age of 12 and 16 by his mum's ex-partner. Which um, is his sister's dad. The father of his two sisters, yeah. yeah. Um, which that in itself was That's horrific. a head fuck. Like, how do you even, how horrific. do you even... Yeah. Um, the worst thing is that the bloke who did it didn't go to prison. He claimed that he was in love with him, he didn't he? That's how he got away with it. And that what had happened had happened to Gary at 16, so I'm assuming that. Legal age. Is, yeah. Mm. Um, and then from there he moved on to say that his mom obviously basically caught his stepdad in the act, um, kicked off, finished with him, got into a new relationship with another chap, and this chap murdered his mom. Um, domestic violence that turned into murder. The bloke who murdered his mom, then went on a drinking session and hung himself. So there was no, I guess, justice to be mm. served. Kind of, I mean, it kind of is justice in a way. Mm. Um, It'd have been better off being in prison. But I guess from Gary's point of view, he mm. never got to see any resolution. Proper justice. Which, I mean, those two, you know, like, you know how do you process those two mm. things? I mean, that, that in itself is horrific. Um, And then later on in Gary's life, he... Got into a relationship with somebody, had a child, raised a child until four years old, and then split up with his partner. She offhandedly said to him, she's not yours anyway. Um, Paternity test, and it turned out that the child actually belonged to his best mate. That's terrible. Like, could you imagine? Could you imagine that happening to you? Like, I can't. It's, I mean, the the thing I will say as well, the way that Gary handled himself and presented himself again is just 
incredible to mm. me. It's inspiring, the same as Kev. Like they've gone through all this stuff, and he was still sat there, lovely bloke, mm-hmm. positive, and talking about how everything he'd gone through put him in a position to help others. Mm-hmm. I mean, to have that mindset, like I don't, th- I dread to think where I would be had I have had that trauma. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the, like just lost for words mm-hmm. on his on his story really um and the point that i raised with him on that conversation which i'll raise again is i personally feel that the woman involved there that should be criminal yeah it's wrong on every level Isn't i mean it? she's gonna know like well, as a woman she, she did you... and the best mate did yeah they knew so why not just end it with him and well, just go off with the best man well she did eventually when she got caught out she went out off with the best mate but my point being, Gary was left to raise this child for four years. Mm, thinking it was his. So that's his emotional emotional time. Mm. And also financial. financial. Yeah. He supported the child, did all that. That's, on a legal level to me, that's fraud. Mm. Yeah. Particularly when you know. Mm. And then not to mention the emotional damage. That happens so much, though. Doesn't I it, hear yeah. this story so much. Yeah. And there should be some sort of accountability for stuff like that. I do think it should be criminal. Yeah. I mean, granted, there might be cases where people don't, you know, mm-hmm. reasonably don't know, or it, you know, it was a one-off, and they don't. But if somebody knows, because she must have known to have thrown mm-hmm. that, comp- that you know, thrown that out there, mm-hmm. um, that she knew that he wasn't the father, but to let him invest as he did, that should be criminal. Mm. Yeah, that's wrong. It's selfish. That's the understatement of the year, isn't it? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, it's just utterly horrific. So, yeah, so Gary was the... No, Gary wasn't the last... Gary wasn't my last guest, but the next one hasn't been released, so we're not going to talk about that yet. So Is that the um, Samaritan? Oh, yeah, yeah sorry, mm-hmm. I've completely forgot about Meg. Mm-hmm. So it's been busy. Six <laughs> weeks of podcasts been out, and I've had seven or eight guests mm-hmm. in. Um. Yeah, also had Meg, who is my regional branch director and fellow volunteer Samaritan. Mm-hmm. Um, got her in to talk about the service because, again, I feel it's underutilised and I just wanted to break down all the stigma potentially from for people, give like an in-depth sort of view on how it all works mm-hmm. in the hope that more people will engage with mm-hmm. the service had they known. Um, I mean, when I was talking to James, my first guest about Samaritans and explaining it, he actually said to me, had I have known that that was there and that's how it worked, I'd have probably used it. I don't think a lot of people know about it. No, I think most mm. people have heard of it. Mm. But the perception I get is that most people think of Samaritans as if you're stood on a bridge, mm. there might be a sign up saying, call this number, mm. you know. So like literally at the point of when you're considering taking your own life that you would ring them. Mm. So it was just to break all that down, really. Mm. If you're, you know, curious about how Samaritans work, listen to the episode. It's mm. all in there. So a good conversation. It was one I felt that I needed to get out there. And what um, what's the uh, number that people would call to get through to Samaritans? You can get hold of Samaritans on 116 123, 365 days a year. 24 7 there's always somebody waiting to take a call it's a national call center so your call will be diverted to whatever volunteer is available and that could be anyone anywhere in the country um 
but yeah there's always somebody there to take a call through every minute of every day mm. good indeed what about yourself is there any any other guests that you wanted to so i had uh, maria in she was someone that came all the way from essex so that's like a four-hour drive here four-hour drive back so yeah i've been really fortunate for her to take the time to come and do this podcast with me she was lovely i could actually relate to her on a lot of levels because of the whole european background where um, is she from um oh she's on the spot <laughs> you're a dickhead <laughs> lithuania don't know i'm pretty sure you said lithuania don't remember get your phone check <laughs> i actually don't remember eastern europe one of them <laughs> Well, you had to go there and put me on the spot, you dickhead. How did I rem- not have, I don't know that you wouldn't remember. Well, it wasn't that I wasn't remembering. Like, you just literally, like I was supposed to know instantly, just like that. But yes, it was Lithuania. Lithuania. Lithuania, yeah. It's not Lithuania. Lithuania. Oh my God, we're back to this whole pronouncing a word. I'm asking a genuine question. Well, I don't know whether which one, which word is better than the other one. Which one is which? That country. <laughs> But yeah, no, she she had an inspiring story to tell because obviously she sort of left um, mm. left Lithuania through uh, some horrible circumstances related to an ex of hers, uh, fled, left and came here. Domestic violence. Or mm, yeah. yeah, domestic violence. And then started again and kind of started to kind of find her way in the UK, which is very, very different to obviously where she was brought up round. Yeah. Um, met her other half, had two two children, and kind of excelled to be a businesswoman that she is. She went from, you know, getting any job possible cleaning, as you would when you've kind of come from uh, you know, a country and you fled, uh, to now having a successful business in aesthetics semi-permanent makeup and training academy so yeah she was uh she's really really nice and she shares the same sort of views to society and life as i do so i wish that i could have got on camera the conversations that we talked about after we stopped recording get her back in for episode two yeah episode two so if you're listening babe it wasn't that i'd completely forgotten where you were from <laughs> but it was this dickhead here <laughs> this dickhead here who's just put me on the spot like, give me a moment. It happens, doesn't it? You have brain freeze. Yeah. Are you trying to say that I often have brain freeze? No, I do normally. Yeah, it's not I'm you. I'm amazed. I remembered after what I've just remembered. <laughs> but it's, um, do you know what? It, the one point to make, though, on that, I feel, is having these conversations with people has made me realise that there's just so much more, particularly, I think, when you get to our kind of age, mm. like everybody's been through something. Everybody's got a backstory. Everybody's had battles to fight, and I don't think anyone, you know, life's a bumpy ride, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the overarching sort of thing I would say to that is, with that knowledge, just be kind. You you don't know what people have gone through mm-hmm. to be where they are, or what people are currently going through. Well, that's it. I think people will quite quickly, and and I understand the whole European thing. People think. You said European people, we're a lot more hard faced. Mm. So how we present ourselves, what the fuck? No, was, why why just, are you smiling at just me? Because you're you're saying we. We. So yeah, you're just identifying as a European person there. Well, I am half European. That's a fact. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's not not fact. No. So, 
well, I can identify as a fucking fly tomorrow if I wanted to. You can these days. Yeah, yeah. I'll be, what, what did the prayer said? A furry. A furry. <laughs> My daughter had furries at her school. Um, I mean, I got, we probably shouldn't even talk about that. We'd get cancelled. <laughs> so, but she legitimately, let, I'm just going to say this and just leave it there. You can think what you want of it. So my daughter has two furries at her school. So I'm not going <laughs> to give an opinion on that. You can probably guess what it is. But... I just, yeah, I can't. I can't. Anyway, now, you for, mm. now I've forgotten what I was talking about. You're talking about being hard-faced. Yeah, so. <laughs> That's what you said. You said that. Hard-faced. Am I hard-faced? You said us. Your no, opinions. you're laughing. You're laughing. Do you think, do you agree with me? No, I love your face. It's very pretty. You're a dickhead. You're mm. such a dickhead. So what I'm saying is, like, particularly European people can... um can have that stigma as being like hard faced and like more reserved. Mm, I know what you mean. Um, and a certain kind of way. But a lot of people don't actually see what those people had to do to be where they are. Like third world. I mean, I, like I said, I've said this before, I've seen what it's like to grow up around people in a third world country. And it's, it's shit and it makes people like that far more grateful and motivated. And any person I've ever had to speak to that has had that background has always been um, motivated because they've had to be. Mm. And I think that's a rarity in life now that people aren't like that. Yeah. Like you take Natalia left when Zuza was three to mm. come to England. Like, what the fuck? Would any of us be able to do that? Probably no, not. Mad, isn't it? It's, um... Nata yeah, that's what Natalia's my sister, by the way. I just find it... This is what I find fascinating, mm. though. I find people fascinating, and obviously, you know, studying psychology and all the rest of it, mm. but just listening to what people have been through, the different upbringings, mm. the different struggles. Um, I mean, one of the things that struck me was when I was talking to Gary the other day, and I asked him, how was childhood for you? What he said was, he was like, yeah, it was completely normal. He said, you know, growing up in poverty and crime. So you're just, just normal. And I went, I was like, Gary, that that's not mm. normal for everyone. You know, and he'd grow up, grown, grown up on a council estate in Sheffield, from what mm. I gather, quite a rough one. Mm. Um, but you kind of, it's weird, isn't it? You, your default setting mm. is to assume that everybody has had what you've had, mm -hmm. good or bad. Yeah, it's true. I mean, I had um, Elise on one, one of my podcasts and Elise is a hairdresser. I actually met her at a hair and beauty, um, like cinema, like an event type of thing. Mm. Um, couldn't say that word. So I just skirt. I can't say it. Cinema. Cin cin uh, a cinema. Why? A it don't sound a right. Cinema. No, not a cinema. You went to the cinema. No, like a hairdressing cinema. A cinema. Seminar. 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 Am I saying it right? Sen seminar. Seminar. For some reason, I just thought of the word semolina when you. Who? I always you struggle to say that at school. Semolina. Semolina. What the hell is that? It's like a school dessert, isn't it? I'll take your word on semolina. it. <laughs> but um, yeah, she grew up, um, had to deal with having a parent that was an alcoholic. Um, she then obviously later on in life had a daughter, was in a relationship, and then like became gay 
Okay. Yeah. So she's had, it was just really interesting to kind of talk to someone that had a similar background, Mm. um, in terms of like parenting and then having a child and how Mm. she manages her relationship with her partner, which is female and having a daughter who is female, who looks up to her partner. Yeah. Yeah. No, well, this is it, isn't it? Everyone's Mm. got their their sort of battles, as mm. it were. But it's fascinating, isn't it? You know, mm. listening to people and you often get absorbed and consumed by your own things that are going on in your life. And then to listen to other people and what they're mm. having to deal with, it um, can put things in perspective. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I've learned a lot just listening to people. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you kind of, when you're an empath, you can then sort of, relate and put yourself in that situation mm. and think oh my god that's what it's one of the things i'm gonna have to well i'm having to learn to put a coping mechanism in place myself because a couple of times i've gone away and it's not like the weight of the cop well yeah i guess the weight of mm. the conversation has sat on me for a little while not for long but i've kind of i guess you absorb some of the energy the energy yeah it's it's bizarre um, yeah, because you've had a lot of like depths and topics to have to attend to. Yeah, um, and the, again, like me personally on on my platform, I've been struck by the amount of first of all the amount of people that have reached out to me. Mm. Um, I just say now, actually, if you've reached out to me and I haven't come back to you, just give me a nudge because I'm getting a lot of messages. Um, I was trying to put them on paper earlier today, mm. and I've got eight people I've got to get back to that mm. have expressed an interest in coming on the podcast. And as yet, I haven't had to reach out to anybody. These are all people that are coming to me. Um, but it seems to be that people that have got a story and they want to tell it, you mm-hmm. know. So I'm sort of honoured, I guess, privileged to be able to provide that and give people the opportunity to talk about what they've gone through. Mm-hmm. Um, but in terms of my podcast, I mean, it's not all about... Doom and gloom. No, it's not. No, no, it's... um essentially anything really it's i'm trying to raise the profile and raise awareness of mental health in the building trades given the horrible situation it's in at the moment but that can come from a positive element Mm. as well so if you've got a business out there and you're smashing it and you're not struggling i want to talk to you too Mm. you know tell us how you're doing it tell us how you cope with things like the pressures and the the working alone if that's what you're doing or yeah i'm I'm, I'm absolutely down for that sort of thing i literally i'm the same i want to speak to people because there's a lot of people that don't know how to be successful there's no handbook Mm. on how that's done so i'm the same i want to speak to people that are there smashing it yeah and you know tell us how you got there all ends it's it's a Mm. platform for anyone really Mm. um and like i say i've been kind of surprised by the reaction that I've had mm. and, and the stories that I've had have took me by surprise to mm. as much as anyone else. So hopefully I'm doing them justice in the way that I'm receiving them and, mm. and getting them out there. But Definitely. I think that's how many, is that all your guests? Have you mentioned them all? You're leaving anyone out? Is somebody going to be pissed off with you? I don't think I've left anyone out. Let's see. So we had Molly, Elise, Maria from Lithuania. Just getting that out then. So, Natasha, Janelle. Yeah, everybody's out. I've got another two podcasts coming up tomorrow um, and another one 
I think the week after. So I've got some interesting topics and debates coming up, mm. um, which I'm really looking forward to. And um, I've actually got someone that's going to be traveling up from um, Isle of Wight. Wow. Yeah. It's going to be the furthest one thus far. It's mad actually, isn't it? Like Gary traveled down from Sheffield. Um, Kev traveled up from Milton Keynes. Um, you know, the people are really making an effort mm. to be here. So massively appreciate yeah, that. Yeah, definitely. Of That's next level. It is. Yeah, absolutely. It's actually one of the judges from the female boss awards. Mm. So it'd be nice to meet her. Uh, cause obviously since we're both judges and stuff. Well, there is one more thing to mention actually, cause I was going to say about uh-huh. the, the sort of like um journey that the podcasts have been on Mm -hmm. uh we mentioned earlier that i've had on the tools reach out Mm -hmm. to me so hopefully we'll be doing some work in collaboration Mm -hmm. soon um you've had somebody reach out to your podcast haven't you i have yes you haven't mentioned your sponsors yes so my sponsors are the female boss awards yeah there we go yeah so um they've been about a month now i think you know, you're going to have to give them a shout and tell them that they need to pay for their mention on my podcast today. Oh, what, they need to pay you? <laughs> yeah, they need to pay me. Yeah. <laughs> Hear that, guys? you got to pay my husband. <laughs> but yeah, no, so that's... Um, yeah, so that's all well really exciting. Um, so I'm looking forward to seeing how that all progresses and where that goes mm-hmm. and where it ends up. And then, of course, we've got the uh, awards that are in September. Yeah, mm-hmm. September. So that's going to be uh, all fun and games. Um, other than that, um, I'm currently doing your media pack, aren't I? So not yeah. only am I his tech, I'm his freaking PR. <laughs> so everything yeah. you see in the background, it's me. So to anyone listening, actually, <laughs> I'll, I'll put this out there now. I'll mention this just in case it gets to the right ears. Um, I wanted to get 10 episodes out before I even considered sort of like sponsorships or collaborations, mm-hmm. anything like that. Um, in reality, the reality of it is this thus far, it has been a passion project. It is a passion project. Um, it's been incredibly well received, but everything to this day has been mm-hmm. self-funded. Um, I would love for the podcast to grow, um, to, you know, next steps, better equipment, potentially Better premises with no band practice at some stage. And I will get my way with cameras. Cameras, yeah, more cameras, mm. more lights. Mm. More light. Uh, but little things like, you know, the merchandise. So everyone that's come in and making the effort to come here, I'm sending away with a few bits and pieces, mm. hoodies, T-shirts, that kind of thing. At the moment, it's all self-funded. So I will be looking to bring on some podcast like partners, sponsors, mm. whatever your way. I'm open to suggestions and ideas. I've already had a few brands reach out to me. So, um, yeah, that, that's going to be the next step for mm-hmm. the Talking Tradesman, which will be to bring some partners on to hopefully grow things a mm. little, which is exciting. You know, it's been really well received. Um, and there's people that want to get behind the whole idea. You're forgetting one last thing. Am I? Yeah. What do you think you're forgetting? I don't know, but I'm but sure just, you're to tell me. Just a small little going down to the BBC studios. Oh, yeah, yeah, I did that. See, I'm his brain as well. I was on the BBC Hereford and Worcester live radio. I mean, to be fair, ticking off like new experiences, this this is nailing a few. So yeah, live radio, which was a bizarre experience. You were nervous about that, wasn't you? Yeah, again, because it's something I'd never done. Mm. Um, And again, it struck me just before I went in that 
this is actually live mm-hmm. whereas this is recorded so if i do make any terrible mistakes it could mm-hmm. in essence be like edited live radio can't um but they reached out to me about the whole story of the podcast and the the reason behind mm-hmm. it and went and did a, a 10 minute slot or so with malcolm boyden on local radio yeah. and they want to get me actually there's another thing that's come along because they want to get me back on in March for a particular reason. So on March the 29th, now no, if, you're watching, if you're watching on camera, just watch her face. Um, on March the 29th, I will be climbing... A snowy mountain with an ice axe. Yes, I will be climbing Ben Nevis. I will be climbing Ben Nevis to raise awareness for mental health in the building trades. I'll be doing this with 20 other tradesmen and former tradesmen funded by a group called TFT to raise money for the charity Band of Builders. Uh, Again, that opportunity came my way because of the podcast. Um, How do you feel about that, Ange? I'm not happy about it because I'm not in control. Like, what if you, like, fall and hurt yourself? Like you fell over walking to Worcester and grazed all your knees. That did happen. I tripped over my shoelaces. So I'll make sure that not I'll make so, sure that done up. So you're going up a mountain which is full of ice. I didn't know this at the point. So when I was contacted with the opportunity to do it, now I've climbed Snowden a couple of times, loved it, it's beautiful. Um so I thought, yeah, Ben Nevis is just a bit further, isn't it? It's just well walking up a big hill. Mm. Then I got told that in order to do this climb we need crampons, which are like spikes that go on the crampons. Yeah, not tampons, crampons. <laughs> tampons won't do me any favours. No. So they're like essentially spikes that go on the end of your mm. boot um, and ice axes because it's frozen up there in March. Like, yes, yes. That's good content though. Might do. On the tools are going to be supporting that as well. And they've asked me to do a vlog. Um, so, yeah, basically I need to get my unfit ass in the gym do some training so I'm maybe not carrying as much weight up there as I currently am. Um, and then, yeah, there'll be some live footage being recorded of the climb. Um, and hopefully we can, in fact, we need to push that a bit more. Um, need to raise some money for Band of Builders. I'm going to put the GoFundMe link in the description for this episode. So mm. if you can spare anything, um, then please take a look at that because it's for Support a really this good cause. Dumbass going up a freaking rock. My wife hasn't actually sponsored me yet. Um, no, because I disagree with it. <laughs> there we go. She's not best pleased. No, I'm not. Why? If I went to climb a, an icy mountain, would you be best pleased? I'd come. You wouldn't. You wouldn't no, be allowed. What? So can I come with you? No. Well, then. Men only. Well, there you go. <laughs> there we go. There we go. So, yeah. Um, I'm kind of, I am, I'm a little bit nervous about that. I'm looking forward to it though. No comment. Yeah. Well, it's a bucket list thing. So <laughs> it's a bucket list thing. I'm having a crisis. I'm turning 40. Mm. I'm like, at it's exactly what it is. It's a crisis. Yeah, it's, I feel like I've reached like half time. Wow. In my life. Half so, time. Yeah. I'm going to go up a mountain, raise some money for charity. And uh, there we go. So. If you can, check out the GoFundMe link that will be in the description of this episode and give me your money. Honey. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, was there anything else that you want to finish up on? No, not really. I'm looking forward to the episodes that I've got coming up. So we'll catch up again, like, in a month or two or after this dickhead here has been up that mountain 
do you reckon? Hold on, where are we now? Mid-fair. Yeah, we might do one before then. I don't know. Be mo- How's what? that even possible? We've got my of, move, my move. Oh yeah, my we'll birthday. We'll do a debrief as and when we can fit one in. Exactly. Um, but one thing I would like to say. It really does make a difference wherever you're listening. If you've mm-hmm. got to this point now, you must enjoy listening to us ramble on. Give us a like, a share, a follow. If you're listening on Spotify, please give us a rating. Um, it all makes a difference to the algorithm, which means that we'll get out to more people. Certainly from my point of view, I'm trying to reach a bigger audience as possible to try and move mm-hmm. a needle, make a difference. So like, share, subscribe, give us some feedback, give us a share. Let us know what you think. Um, and yeah, we'll respond to all your messages. Yay. Perfect. Is that it? Is that a wrap? It's a wrap. Subscribe to the Talking Tradesman podcast. Subscribe to the Angie Monroe podcast. I need you podcast. to do me a jingle. A jingle. No, no, fuck your jingle. I'm not, no, I want a jingle. I'm sorry that I don't have a jingle, actually, to be fair. I want a jingle at the start and a jingle at the end. I've and tried. My tech you. department will not give me a jingle. You can do this on CapCaf. What's wrong with you? You can't yes, do a jingle on cap. You put oh your own music God. on it. His edi- this guy's editing skills are oh, so basic. I've got no patience for it, so I tend to just record no. and get it so out. So what you do is you upload the video to CapCuff, yep. right? And then you know where you put background music in? Nope. You do the background music. Oh, uh, no. I do. On CapCuff, it comes with it, doesn't it? No. It's like preset. No, you choose which music you want. Oh, I haven't worked out how to do and that. And then you can just that. scroll it, yeah, scroll it across to which part you want it. Oh, well, I haven't paid for it, so that'll oh, be... It's your problem, isn't it? Keep an eye out on this episode and see if the tech department have given me a jingle. Honestly, do you want me to wipe your ass next? Love a bit of shit, didn't you, babe? Yeah, it's fucking rank. No, I don't. Uh-huh. Right. Bye-bye. Bye.